2: Welcome into Sports Talk. It's the Thursday edition with Lauren Tate. I'm Scott Beatty. We're kicking off a two-hour fun fest here in the discussion of athletics. Coming up, Scott Ritchie covering the Illini for the News Gazette will check in with us. And in the next hour, we'll continue our tour of the Big Ten with Evan Kahn and I. We'll visit with Sean Callahan from Husker Online get a preview of Maybe a under-the-radar contender for the Big Ten West. I know that the optimism is always reigning in this time of year in Lincoln, Nebraska, but they do think they are poised to be much better than they were last year. So,
3: Well, if they were just the same as last year, they might win a lot of those <laughs> close games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they almost beat Michigan State. They almost, uh, you know, they played Michigan a close game, I mean. They had a lot of close games. I do Not not Michigan State, but Michigan. Yeah. They led Michigan with, I think, three or four minutes to go. Yep. So there's there's a lot of luck involved there, and there's a lot of uh, sometimes you just don't know how to win. I mean, Maybe it's a quarterback. They certainly uh, got Rita Martinez, and they got a new quarterback. Yeah, so.
2: Casey Thompson mm-hmm.
3: from Texas. Yep, and I don't know how good he is. I don't know how good hey. any of the transfers is. We won't know. A lot of these guys that are transferring – it's a guess. Made 10
2: starts last year for Texas. Uh, the Cardinals and the Colorado Rockies are tied up at 2, unless something changed there before they just went to commercial. They're getting late in that ball game. White Sox battling Kansas City, and tonight it's the Field of Dreams game between the Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds. A lot of fun on social media right now as players are taking in that whole scene. And apparently... Harry Carey will somehow make an appearance tonight oh, good. in a uh, some sort of technological way during the seventh inning stretch. Fox and so will uh, Chucky Robinson. Yep, Chucky he- Robinson, Danville product, Southern Miss alum, yep. called
3: up to be a yep. catcher. I remember seeing him catch for Danville about 10 years ago back at, at Champaign. He was a he's a big strong kid.
2: I think he signed. He wasn't drafted, but I think he signed, and that's often a pathway for catchers. Mm-hmm. If you can catch and throw, you're you're valuable to organizations. Well, he's been, he's twenty
3: seven years old. He he signed. He turned pro in two thousand fifteen. So mm-hmm. he's uh, he's fought his way up, and uh, of course, he's probably one of three catchers on the Cincinnati team. So whether he gets in a game is is uh, we'll see. Did you see the news out of East Lansing,
2: Lauren? Tom Izzo getting... Now, uh, the, the, the release doesn't say it explicitly, but here's the headline. Izzo Renews Spartan for Life Commitment with New Contract. And the graphic says Spartan for Life. I haven't seen the actual terms of the contract but it's a rollover contract Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of in perpetuity Izzo's five-year rollover contract that he's going to sign has to be approved by their board of trustees but that's perfunctory non-performance related compensation of 5.92 million per year including a 2.43 million base 3.09 in supplemental compensation and $400,000 from footwear and apparel provider Nike. He also gets airplane use, additional fringe benefits, a proximate total value of $6.2 per year.
3: One more reason why the players think they ought to get something. <laughs> if you can pay the basketball coach $6 million, if you can pay the football coach $10 million, I mean, come on.
2: Yeah, if you offered this to Mel Tucker, he'd say, see ya.
3: <laughs> yeah, he couldn't handle that. Cheapskates? How do you live on $6 million? Can you hey, believe that Tom Izzo I guarantee you Izzo's get making more than six million, by the way. I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm just know he's making more.
2: But isn't it funny? I, I, I don't mean this as a slight on Mel Tucker. But Mel Tucker financially is worth more value to the university than than Tom Izzo is. Well,
3: okay. I guess you're right, but mm boy, Izzo's been a boon to that organization that program. Everybody up there, everybody loves him. Yeah. Mel Tucker's still proving himself. Had a great year last year. So he's been there two years. What? Two seasons?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, uh, you know, Izzo's not running his air conditioner or something. (laughs) Uh, I think he's doing just fine. But my point is, is football is king. I know. It is. You're right. Football's king. In a place where Izzo has reigned, and they've had good success as a football team.
3: Okay, who's most important at Illinois, Underwood or Bielma?
2: I think is most separate question. I think most fans would say Underwood. Mm-hmm. I think reality is.
3: But he's only making fifteen percent, and Reality is Bielma's bringing in eighty-five percent
2: financially speaking the head coach of the football team, is more valuable. And even though Illinois has been in a lot of valleys for decades. Oh, yeah. He's, and, he's and
3: more valuable, if he's, but if he's not successful, it, it just continues the, the long run of failure. And
2: the the, oppor- the opportunity there is lost way more than if basketball isn't. We'll hear about it more if basketball takes tumbles because there's so much pride and expectations attached to mm-hmm.
3: basketball. But from a Il- Illinois- dollars and cents. Illinois is a basketball school. Admit that. Mm-hmm. A Mm-hmm. Basketball and a golf school. <laughs>
2: <laughs> in terms of their success, but in terms yeah. of what is attached to dollars. You
3: bet. It's
2: football. Most of it is media. Some of it's tickets and, and all the other things. That comes along with it. Who's
3: more valuable to Illinois in terms of cash, Michigan and Ohio State or Illinois football? (laughs) (laughs) Who's bringing in the money? Michigan and Ohio State. (laughs) They sure are. I mean, they're they're attracting more TV dollars, no question. Brett Bielma, speaking of the very valuable
2: man, met with us today as Illinois continues its trek through training camp. So let's get the update from the head coach.
1: Today was practice number 11. I've kind of been telling those guys, right, and, and counting down. And I show them, you know, one of the things you get lost in when you're a college football player is you think what you're doing is special, right? Like you think that you're doing something that nobody else is doing. So I've been showing them clips of Wyoming, Indiana, Virginia, our first three opponents and show them, right, one of the beauties of social media is you know, we can kind of keep a, an eye on what they're doing. I'm obviously not into the dynamics of everybody else, but I want them to know what we do in this building determines what we do, right? It. We don't have any unique advantage. The NCAA doesn't let me have any more practices, doesn't let me have any more time. Uh, what we do is what we do, and we got to control the moment. So today was uh, we actually introduced some end-of-game scenarios today. So we did an end-of-game scenario from the minus 35, from the 50, from the 30, from the 20, from the 10, and two-point plays, right, and just kind of showed them. I showed them an a end-of-game situation against Miami when I was with the Patriots. Uh, that was a team that won the Super Bowl versus a team that I think uh, won just a handful of games and they beat us on the last play of the game with with just a few seconds on the clock. That that uh, was a huge, huge deal at the time. So great learning moments all over the place. We did some uh, 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 really, really critical. Uh, we introduced third down. Uh, tomorrow is fourth down Friday, so we're going to do a lot of fourth down stuff tomorrow. So um, I'm excited this group comes with a purpose. Um, they just don't come and punch in the clock and, and practice. I think they engage. I've um, had some visitors here over the last two weeks and they talk about the way the players respond when we're talking as coaches. Uh, Coach Henry gets to give a talk tonight to the team. I'm letting all my coaches give a message, a uh, 10- to 15-minute message to our our guys. Uh, uh, last night, uh, uh, Coach Snyder and Coach Jamo gave a great message. I think our guys were, were engaged in. And then we also have freshman talent shows, which have been very intriguing. Uh, when you get your first chance, to talk to Joey Okla. I think you should ask him about his impersonation opportunities, and, and uh, you'll be intrigued. So I, I like this team. I like the demeanor. Uh, I think we love to work. Uh, we're eleven practices in it though, so everybody's getting a little pissy with one another. It was, uh, even with me and, and me with them. So I think it's fun to uh, progress and move toward towards game day.
2: Aaron was talking about how maybe it's a good thing on Monday that they got beat over the top a little bit—an uh, opportunity actually for learning that didn't happen as much last year.
1: You, you know, uh, great point. That's DB coach for you, right? Like, um, much rather happening it on Monday than you know Saturdays. Um, so I do think one of the things that i've learned and i've really tried to drill it into our coaches Uh, everybody gets frustrated when these moments happen in practice where in reality i think it's the greatest thing could happen uh today we had an aaron snap in a critical moment right everybody's moping around i'm just like relishing it because now i'm going to be able to use that in a team meeting and show how how it loses games not win games and and uh, aaron's point very well taken Uh, aaron's getting to be a, a veteran coach and he understands those moments are critical
2: there's Coach Bilma after practice number 11 today.
3: He talks a lot about the. In fact, several of the coaches have talked about the freshmen. Mm-hmm. I'm interested because I, I don't think many freshmen are going to play. None of those line, offensive linemen are going to play or defensive linemen. Although, defensive end, I, they're talking about Gabe Yakas at J A C A S. I think it's pronounced Yakas. And he's from Fort Pierce, and he's 260 pounds. He's a—he sounds like he's gonna be a solid backup there. None of them will start, no. But we're looking for backups, and I—I I think when the season ended, uh, I mean when the recruiting ended, we had a different look at the at who we thought would be good. But now we're getting a feel for uh, certain guys. Uh, Tyson Rooks is everybody's talking about him, a defensive back, and also. Um, Matthew Bailey from Moline. hmm.
2: At the safety position. And he
3: was one of the last guys recruited.
2: Backing up Sidney Brown. Mm hmm. Take it for what you will when a freshman is backing up the senior.
3: And, well, and the senior hasn't been practicing the last several days, so he's had a chance to run with the first unit. So, uh, so it looks like we might have three or four freshmen play, and you could say, well, more than that could get in on special teams, but most likely. They won't play over four games because they'd like to register most of them.
2: Sure. Your hint will be who's out there on special teams. That's usually an indication
3: Mm -hmm. of who they're trying to bring up quicker. It's always interesting to me to find out whether the coach will use starting players on the special teams or if he's just simply going to use subs on those special teams. I
2: tried to get an answer on that today from Sean Snyder, the special teams uh, coordinator. Didn't really get one, but that's okay. Um, but I think in an ideal world, they don't want to. No, they want in to an ideal world. They want to arrest them,
3: yeah. There's no question. But,
2: but a good player is a good player, yeah. and you've got to make those tackles out there. You've got, you got to establish your blocks.
3: But, for, but basically, uh, you know, it, it would be mostly defensive players other than maybe some blockers up front. Which you, you're, It's only one play, and most of the time it's one play. It's a punt, it's a kick, it's a field goal, whatever, a kickoff. But uh, that's it, and then you're back to the sideline. But if you make a mistake on that play. Well, just think back to the Iowa game. Illinois is ahead in the game and, and going great, and then they had a kick return for a punt return for a touchdown and just ho- changed the game. And Illinois might have pulled an upset in that yeah. game. You never know.
2: Now, Iowa is exceptionally good in that area. Well, you if know.
3: they are, then you got to kick it away from them. <laughs> you just have to. Yep.
2: Yeah. Illinois will have a, a new has a new guy heading up special teams and got a chance to talk with him we'll try and bring you some of that as well sean snyder son of the legend at kansas state in bill snyder scott ritchie will join us coming up i want to let you know about wherever you are right now and the ability to control the climate in your home with the train home app cu trade services is a Installer and a dealer in train products, highly rated, great warranties, and what have you. And you can, from your home, be adjusting the temperature in your home, setting a schedule, monitoring how things are going there without having to be there. You can find out more info at CuTradeservices.com. While you're there, I recommend their maintenance plans or preventative plans you can get on when it comes to your HVAC units plumbing, just home maintenance in general. If you're not quite the DIY person and you don't like uh, the the chore of doing all that, they can do it for you, give you some peace of mind so you don't have to worry about disaster happening, usually at the worst possible moment. Check out CU Trade Services where you can do it all with just one call. Scott Ritchie joins us coming up. Stay with us for a chance to win some tickets to see the White Sox on Saturday night. Playing Detroit, I believe, up at Guaranteed Rate Fields. It's always good when you uh, have two people with you on a radio program who are now ticked off because the Cardinals just gave up a three-run home <laughs> run and are trailing 7-2 to two to the Colorado Rockies. Scott Ritchie in the house, is along with Lauren Tate. You almost just
0: turned around and left. Well, it didn't put me in a great mood (laughs) to get started on the radio, but it's a long baseball season. The Cardinals aren't playing that poorly overall. I will try and maintain a semi-positive outlook. That's right.
2: You know, and it's as Brett Bielma mentioned, this is game uh, or, you know, practice number 11 right there in the middle of training camp. Everyone's getting a little chippy. So just try to, you know, be professional about this whole thing.
0: Yeah, although – the the, the, high, the timing of that home run was terrible, but again.
2: You mean because it was just as you walked in the door or because it's the seventh inning?
0: Well, both. <laughs> <laughs> odds are um, Cardinals maybe don't have enough juice to finish this one off. Here's what I want to
3: ask you because it's happening to me. Talking to those players daily, talking to those coaches I get I, I, I get optimistic about the, about the football season. We're, we're not talking yeah. to Wyoming. We're not talking to Indiana. We're just talking to Illinois players and coaches. They sound pretty good, don't they?
0: Yeah. Well, I think every coach and player and team is optimistic in August. Oh come on! I thought started. we were the only ones. <laughs> no, it's all it's all good stories, yo. Know, yeah. This month, and then the They're games start. Yeah, and then we'll we'll really find out. And I mean, I think there are some reasons to be optimistic about this Illinois football team I'm just not sure that there are enough and we'll know for sure though at least a, a better inkling uh August 27th when they play Wyoming
3: well you know uh what I'm talking about is that each guy's got a story like I didn't have much hope when I saw Dark Angelo play last year and yet talking hear him talking about his family and just transfer and and all the things that have gone on, and, and now all of a sudden I'm pulling for him. You know, I can see he's a guy kind of like now. I didn't know him before, and well, I mean that's just one example. I mean today we got to talk to Holmes. Well, I he's been around a long time playing the defensive end, backup, not getting to play much. Now he's a starter.
0: Yeah, and I was thinking about that, and I don't think I had talked with Ezekiel Holmes since maybe his freshman year when mm-hmm. it was just you try to talk to all the freshmen at media day, because then you never know when you're going to get a chance to talk to him again. But you know, he just never was able to crack the the rotation, really. Um, well, and he looks like a player, doesn't he? I mean, when you picture an outside linebacker slash edge rusher slash defensive end, whatever you want to call it in Ryan Walter's system, it, you picture Ezekiel Holmes, 6'5", <laughs> 245 pounds. Like, yep. that's the prototypical edge guy right now. Yeah. So we'll just see if he can... Turn looking like looking the part into, you know, playing the part.
2: You know, I found refreshing though, in the midst of optimism, we talked with Aaron Henry today. He's always the defensive back coach for Illinois. He's always very energetic and has a lot to say. But I thought he really gave things if if every coach could speak like him. He's open, he, isn't he? he? He But he didn't cross any lines in terms of throwing any players under the bus or yeah. being negative, but just identified, this is where we need to be better. And, hey, this guy, I, mean, I believe he was talking about Devin Witherspoon, like, yeah, um, defenses might want to avoid him, but he's not quite there yet. You know, they're going to still attack him, and he needs. but he can be to a point where on the scouting report, say, just throw it somewhere else. I, I just loved there was an openness there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by not the
3: way, what a what a historic record he's got in high school. Did you see what he did? He had fifty five touchdowns as a senior. Fifty five.
0: Talk about Witherspoon.
3: No, <laughs> <I'm> ta- <laughs> we're talking about the coach when he was in high school. Oh, wow. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> and then he you know went to Wisconsin and
3: he he had over well. twenty touchdowns as a freshman in high school. He had over thirty as a sophomore. I mean, he just worked his way up. Fifty five touchdowns as a
0: senior. That's got to be a record. I mean, did you ever hear of anything like that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? What? Derrick Henry had some kind of ridiculous numbers as a high school senior, yeah. You know, the, the Titans running back before he went to Alabama, like just crazy rushing numbers. But I don't think you know, fifty-five touchdowns is a lot. Uh, it
3: was is it it's uh, is is just amazing. And when you, see, I wonder what the level of competition was. I don't know. I don't know the high school, but
0: I mean. High enough that he got a shot at Wisconsin. I mean, it's a big-time program.
2: In all of the optimistic talking that we've heard, as well as the points where we have had a chance to put eyeballs, is there anything you think has changed, Scott, in the storylines or uh, particularly from uh, is this a question mark to maybe this is okay or maybe this was going to be okay and now I think it's actually better? Or do the question marks that we had coming in to training camp remain?
0: I mean, I think the one that remains is, and I know, Lauren, you've mentioned this. Once you get past the first guy mm-hmm. on the depth chart, I don't know about the next one, and like, that's where good programs are made because there's not yeah. absolutely a steep drop off. I saw today,
3: you know, a, a, a star. I mean, a, a tackle, defensive tackle for Purdue, got carried off. He's lost for the year. Or you see Sam. Uh, What's his name? Hartman, the quarterback for Wake Forest, is out. You know, you know players are going to be out for one reason or another, and you have to
0: have those backups. Yeah. And I don't know if Illinois has enough, but I think mostly what I thought about this team, like I still think, I mean, mm-hmm. running game should be probably the strength, and I think the offensive line's in a – certainly if we go back to like January, the offensive line's in a much better spot than it could have been because Alex palceski got – his bonus sixth year somehow. Um, the two JUCO transfers. And Pearl's a real deal at the other tackle. Yeah. And and you know, Brett Bale was kinda of mentioned this after one of his interviews, but he just they need Julian to just kind of tap into his, you know, inner mean streak and just play a little angry. Mm-hmm. And he's just such a, a nice guy that, you know, it's maybe against, you know, his nature, but yeah, he looks like everything you want from a tackle. So I think the line Again, I mean, the depth is an issue there. Um, but I think the line should be better than maybe we thought. Secondary should be pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, they have to find you know, that second corner opposite De- Devin Weatherspin. Kendall Smith seems to have taken the Kirby Joseph role, so maybe he's the next to have this out of nowhere breakout. But I think there's still the same question marks. You know, in the passing game, um, who's going to catch the passes
2: but it's a curious little nugget that we got from Aaron Henry who said on Monday in scrimmage we got beat over the top a couple of times and that was maybe a good thing as a learning tool but we didn't have that experience in fall camp last year so to me that's a positive in that maybe there's an ability to throw those deep balls that wasn't there last year I'm not saying here comes an aerial attack. (laughs) I
0: mean, maybe beyond ability, just how about a willingness to do that? I just think Tony Peterson's scheme was so conservative and questionable at times. Like, I don't – I mean, it took three-fourths of the year to decide, okay, well, Daniel Barker probably should touch the ball a little more. Kind of the same with Isaiah Williams. So, I mean, there's a reason Brett Bielman made a switch there. So, I don't know how often Tommy DeVito, because he is – the starting quarterback, even though they haven't announced it, I'll be surprised if I'm wrong there. Um, I don't know how often he'll go deep, but we need more more than just one scrimmage of you know a few deep balls that were successful to maybe say Elnoy you know, has a, a legitimate passing attack oh, yeah. I still don't know who like th- those deep threats are going to be on the receiving end of things. I think mean, you know, Brian Hightower can be. I think Pat Bryant can be, but neither of those guys have
2: Was Bryant so the one last year that people were identifying when he's out there it's going to be a run play.
0: Yeah, that was me. Uh, and it wasn't just him. There and this was early in the season, but if Pat Bryant and Carlos Sandy were the only wide receivers on the field, they ran the ball. And that was true for every game up until I think sometime in late October. Then they actually that threw.
2: That boggles my mind that it would be that Telegraphed.
0: Well, like if I can figure that out, I'm pretty sure the opposing defensive coordinators, who you know know more about football than I do, spotted it too. So it's another sort of question mark for the guy that's no longer the offensive coordinator. I think, as we keep talking about it, we understand why.
2: It just boggles my mind if you can just have that easy of a tell, and nobody caught it, especially when a beat writer is pointing it out.
0: Well, and I tweeted it, so if you're on the internet, you saw it. Um, <laughs> no, but Pat bryant he's just six-three, one ninety-five. He looks like, you know, a deep threat receiver, and he's got you know that frame. So we'll see if he can be that.
2: The question was asked about: Can the receivers buy in if they know that the the offensive attack is basically a running game? Can you be motivated and willing? if you know most of the time the ball's not going to come your way. And what does that do for you recruiting-wise in the long term to upgrade your
0: wide receiver room? I think it's tough now because there's not a season of Barry Lunny as offensive coordinator yet. But if you look at what he did at UTSA last season, they had a 1,000-yard back and Sincere McCormick and then also threw the ball I think almost 200 times more than Illinois did for the season. So you can have both. Hmm. and. I you, still have don't know. To, you
3: have to be able to pass to be able to run. You just can't, unless you're just totally dominant, you have to be able to pass the ball to set up the run. Yeah, And, and vice versa.
0: A stat that I saw uh, this week uh, from Tom Fornelli at CBS Sports was that Chase Brown faced at least eight men in the box for like 70-some carries, Last season, and that's a pretty big chunk of the carries. It's one that he of the had. tops
3: in the country, one of the top 10 in the country, in facing an eight man front.
0: Yeah, so I mean, just think of what he could do if there's only six guys in the box, but the passing game has to be there. But Barry Lennie showed at UTSA you can have a strong run game, and they had a really good back and sincere McCormick, and also sling it. And I don't know NBA how big 10 West teams, yeah, like uh, this one. I don't know how,
3: by the way, why don't we talk more about um, Isaiah Williams? Isn't he the key to the team? Isn't he a huge key? He should yeah. be. I mean, if they can get the ball to him and where he can do some things, that's just going to be a, a monster advantage for Illinois.
2: Well, you guys are counting down the top players or the key players for Illinois every day in the News Gazette. And the only reason I wouldn't put him number one is because everything starts around a quarterback in terms of value of the position. But the most dynamic offensive football player in orange and blue is Isaiah Williams well here's I, ha- I don't know what you're doing in your countdown so, than, so, so, so I hope Chase I'm not Brown?
0: here's a little bit of a sneak peek for a couple of weeks down the road this is what you get here on this show this uh, the I'll value. just say added that added value Tommy DeVito isn't number one He's number two and number one might be number one
2: or number two I guess because Chase Brown wears number two Chase so DeVito who wears three is two and that just leaves probably and two or one for one
3: <laughs>
0: DeVito, who wears three, is two. Brown, who wears two, might be three. And one might be one. guess <laughs> he's, I mean, if it's a successful offense, that means Isaiah Williams is catching 70 passes minimum. Well, 45 is a good start on that last year,
3: and now he's had another year to really sink in to the receiving position, which takes a while. It takes a while when you move, change positions. Just to, You're if always going to be better two, better two years later than you were the first year. Yeah, just
0: to understand the nuances of mm-hmm. you know, but, route running better. But it is a new offense, too. Yeah. However fast Illinois plays, and I don't know that we know exactly what you know, this up-tempo offense is going to be because they're going to huddle some it should create more plays and then that's that's how you can still run the ball as much as you want but then throw it you know i think the the goal is more than they did last year
2: They also talked about changing tempos which is i liken it to a pitcher needing to be able to change speeds to keep a hitter off balance so the tempo needs to fluctuate sometimes and hopefully it's not being dictated by Poor performances, but by strategic choices.
0: Yeah, I think what Barry Loney said yesterday is like they want to control the tempo of the game, and that means not going three and out. If you go three and out, it's over, and the other team is you know dictating the you know, pace of play. And I think again, this is all just so speculative because we saw an hour and a half of a practice on Saturday, but we just don't. Just don't know enough about this team. I don't, at least, to make you know these concrete opinions.
2: Scott Ritchie, is this the l- closest to a lull in basketball coverage? Because they're not working out right now. Players are home. Right yeah. under what I think went on vacation. Is this the closest you get to a lull in the basketball beat right here in August?
0: Yeah, I mean. Like so, two weeks in August—that's now the off season, mm-hmm. I think—and that's, mm-hmm. that's about all there is to it. Anymore. How close is Hansbury? Early September—that's what it's sort of been, I think. the The time frame, and I don't know how, because you know, he got those, you know, offers in um, in July, you know, Peach Jam, you know, some high major teams coming in. But you know, he released the top five after that, so maybe. you know, Are Oregon, you in the West prediction Virginia. business on him? No. Okay. I'm not in the prediction business at all because these are teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) And uh,
3: who have NIL offers that they shouldn't be getting this quick. Who knows? Uh, But (laughs) I
0: think Elmoy's in a really good place. I mean, they got a visit. They, three coaches were at every game he played at Peach Jam. Like they have made him made it clear uh, the priority. And there's no other, I mean, it's kind of Imani Hansberry, Orton, at this point, nothing in the class of 2023. They're all in on Imani Hansberry. So I, I think I mean, of his top five, I know Penn State made him kind of an equal priority because he, he would yeah. be a, just a really great get for Micah Shrewsbury. Mm-hmm. Um, then Auburn, Miami, Virginia Tech are also in it. And I just I don't see them as having made the same type of investment that Illinois did or that Penn State did.
2: Okay, uh, outside of NIL money or something else, Penn State? Really?
0: No disrespect, but really? Well, they were – I think they offered him before Illinois did. They just – I think if you can show enough interest – and, like, Michael Shrewsbury has an NBA background. He worked with um, – gosh, my brain just – Brad Stevens. There we go. With the Celtics. Um, so he can – he has something different to sell. And you can also sell Monty Hansberry – you come to Penn State like you're going to be like the guy just cuz there's not the guy, you know, here in Illinois, there's a little more talent you have to contend with.
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Okay. Well, good luck to them. Penn State, I'm
0: saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you just never know. You don't I mean, to think you know the motivations of a teenager, like I I don't want to dive into that psychology. But Illinois is in a good spot. I oh, will that I Will firmly say that, like they have done, I think everything right in the recruitment, and then sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't, and there's nothing more you could have done.
2: Since when you first came in, the Rockies went, I believe, back to back, and now the Cardinals have back to back, gone back to back. I don't, I don't know if there was a batter input. Po- is Arenado right after Goldschmidt because they both just It's two rookies, homered.
3: Goldschmidt and Arenado. Yeah, two rookies. Yeah,
2: <laughs> 8 to 5 though. That's the downside. It's gone right. from 8 to 3 to 8 to 5. more people on base when they hit them.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Solos are still worth well, one. The ball is apparently
2: flying It's flying a well. little bit there in Denver.
0: I've heard that happens.
2: Yep. All right, Scott, appreciate you checking in as always. You can read more of you at alinahq.com and the News Gazette sports pages, and of course you've got your Inside Alina basketball podcast as well. Good to see you, sir. Thank you. Scott Ritchie at s r Ritchie on Twitter. Back after this. It is sports talk. You must keep up with the Joneses in this day and age. That's what John Calipari says down in. Kentucky he wants a new practice facility <laughs> this state deserves it that's what he says hey Illinois is getting one
3: well Illinois yeah Illinois will have one this year and uh, I'm I, I think that Calipari will get whatever he wants <laughs> but I still can't get over to Sheway down in the Bahamas their game they got games down there and and he's busy Getting NIL money. They say he's going to walk out of there with a half a million bucks.
2: The quote from Calipari, this is a basketball school. Yep. Alabama is a football school. That's true. So is Georgia. No disrespect to our football team. I hope they win 10 games and go to bowls. This is
3: a basketball school. By the way, Kentucky's football team is a lot better. Was better last year and they're ranked this year. They are What's going on there?
2: Sneaky good. North Carolina can be that way at times. Mm-hmm. You just think about the basketball program and back to our initial conversation, you know, Tom Izzo getting paid today in his lifetime contract doesn't come close to what Michigan State is paying their football coach. Mm-hmm. And the or, value or that what Kentucky's paying their basketball coach. What's I mean, is there there's a f- couple of schools where basketball is the main brand. Well, you got a Maybe whole,
3: Duke. You got a conference where you, uh, every team is in the Big yeah, East. Yeah, Big East. I mean, right? they don't I'm, even have football. Anymore. I'm thinking of Power 5. I understand. But those are major schools in that league. Mm-hmm. But and they Vanderbilt, don't have
2: Va- well, Vanderbilt's not good in either. But their money's coming from football. Mm-hmm. Kentucky's money's coming from football.
3: Sure. Absolutely. They all are. All 65. So
2: that's interesting on a on a, <laughs> on a day where Izzo continues to roll over his contract. His 28th year as a head coach, by the way, for the Spartans, and I did not know this according to the release, he's lived in Michigan in his entire life except for a seven-week stint at the University of Tulsa back in 1986. I knew he was a Michigan native, but I didn't realize – Kind of like you, he just doesn't leave the state much.
3: Well, <laughs> he he, had, he was assistant coach, and his head coach, Judd Heathcote, wanted him to be the guy and kind of forced it on. Whether Michigan State would have hired him, I don't know, but Judd pushed him and, and got him hired. It was a good call. Yeah. Still the last Big Ten coach to win a national championship. The only Big Ten coach to win a national championship in this century, mm-hmm. and that was barely barely in <laughs> <laughs> the early the very start of this century.
2: That's for sure. All right, we have a little bit more to transition you with, and get ready for hour number two. We'll give away some White Sox tickets. Sean Callahan from a Husker Online will join Evan and me as well. All right, Lauren, a meaningless exercise, but that's not going to stop me from doing it with you. Okay. Our friend Jerry Palm writes for CBS Sports mm-hmm. and is a bracketologist, but this is an article he's presented on bowl projections for this year. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a unique take here on the college football playoff Final Four. You ready? He projects Alabama, number one, Ohio State number two, Georgia number three, and Oklahoma number four. Okay, that I mean, was sarcasm. That's, I mean, that's anybody could have projected that. Yeah. Uh, Michigan in the Rose Bowl against Utah, Notre Dame against Clemson in the Orange Bowl, Texas A&M well, against now, Baylor.
3: You think Notre Dame would play Clemson a second time? That could happen, I guess. But uh, they play them in the middle of the season too.
2: Yeah, I don't know. How, I, I, I don't know the. Uh, Yeah, I don't know the uh, ins and outs of that, but I guess that bowl, the Orange Bowl, is an ACC team against either an SEC, Big Ten, or Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Sugar has Texas A&M against Baylor, Cotton, USC versus Cincinnati. Those are some of the big bowls that he's projected.
3: Cincinnati must have lost an awful lot. I haven't studied it, but they must have lost a lot because nobody's picking them up high again. They they had a great season last year. Remember they beat Notre Dame. They won one games and and went to the final four.
2: Well, it's an it's a selection committee bowl game as they say.
3: Wisconsin and Penn State
2: projected to be bowl teams uh on uh, January 2nd. Minnesota, he's got in there. Iowa in the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, Carolina. Maryland as a bowl team, Nebraska as a bowl team. Do not see Illinois on the list. Well,
3: Illinois has got to win six games somehow, and that <laughs> means they've got to pull some upsets. There's, I think so. But again, they're upsets that are doable. Mm-hmm. It's not that teams are out of their reach; it's just that they're slight. They're going to be slight underdogs, and that that could change as we go along. But with Illinois is going to go into the Indiana game, a slight underdog, and that kind of. I think if they were playing on a neutral field, I think it would be a dead even game, or or maybe even Illinois would be favored. That's Depending why I, on how Illinois appears against Wyoming.
2: That's why I don't think it's unreasonable to be undefeated going into the Wisconsin game.
3: Not un, not unreasonable. You just got to beat Virginia too. Yeah, Chattanooga should be a pushover, shouldn't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not a pushover, maybe, but that's a game you just have to win. Wyoming Wyoming is down this year in terms of talent. I've lost. heard they're one of the worst teams this year. Metric. You know, from oh, the- I mean, it's just they've lost everybody. It's amazing what they their best running back, their best receiver, their best, you know, all the way up and down the line, they, they lost players. And of course, Illinois lost some players, too. But Illinois, is, I think it's going to be equal to comparable to last year. The question is, can you beat the, the Maryland's and the Rutgers who they don't play, but who they lost to last year? They're, those are the type of games you have to win. Lauren, you did so well today. You get tomorrow off, okay? But you got to work Saturday morning, okay? I guess so.
2: You'll be back for a lineup of Saturday sports talk at nine a.m. We are back after the news with more sports talk. Giving away socks tickets. News Talk fourteen hundred ninety three nine FM WDWs, Champagne.